0: Welcome back friends, Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. On Friday, we met Cornelius and his family, the very first Gentile believers. And up until that time, it hadn't occurred to anyone that the gospel message had anything to say to Gentiles. But when Peter encountered Cornelius and his family, and they became believers, the Holy Spirit descending upon them, well, that changed Everything. Peter went back to Jerusalem and he had some splaining to do. Well, we enter our story today in Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 19. And I read to you Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in Jerusalem, connected with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Again, because it never occurred to anyone, the message was for anyone but the Jews. Now, some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began speaking to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So some of the people, after the stoning of Stephen, when everyone got out of Dodge, some went to Antioch, that is, Syrian Antioch. It's in eastern Turkey of today, along the Mediterranean coast. It's a city of about a half a million people today. We were there, we visited Syrian Antioch a few years back, and as we were walking down the street in Antioch, we learned that, well, of course, nearly all of Antioch's residents are Muslims, and there are only three small Christian communities. Now think about that. Antioch became the engine driving the church in Asia Minor back in Paul's day, but today Christians are nearly non-existent. Only three small Christian communities, one Roman Catholic church, one Greek Orthodox church, and one Presbyterian church. Well, as we were walking through the streets of Antioch, we saw the sign for the Catholic church, so we followed directions. It is the only Roman Catholic Church in Antioch today. It has one priest and 70 baptized believers. We were welcomed warmly by the pastor, Father Domenico, a French-speaking pastor who also spoke Arabic and uh, English as well. And he invited us to celebrate Mass with him in the chapel dedicated to Saints Peter and And Paul. That was an enormous privilege for all of us, to celebrate Mass in Antioch. Well, we were all Gentiles, as were many of the people now in Antioch to whom Paul and Barnabas will be speaking. Now the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people, Gentiles, believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. The church in Jerusalem, well, reluctantly accepted Cornelius and his family as believers. But there were many in the church in Jerusalem who thought, no, that is is not correct. That is not right. So there was a debate about it, and we'll find that debate a little bit later as we move along. But... They send Barnabas up to Antioch to find out what in the world is going on, because the church in Antioch, they were preaching primarily to Gentiles. Now, it's one thing to have an odd Gentile or two in the church, and if you were a Jewish believer, you would certainly argue that if a Gentile becomes a believer in the Jewish Messiah, he must also accept all the precepts of Judaism, including everything in the law of Moses, circumcision, and so on. So what's going on up there in Antioch? It's one thing to have a few Gentiles, but they're really going after them up there. Barnabas, son of encouragement, mature man, someone who, be, who could be trusted, they sent him to Antioch. But when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas watched what was going on there at Antioch. He met the believers at Antioch. He met the Gentile believers, and he said, good work, carry on. But while he was in Antioch, If you look at a map of the Mediterranean world, on the northeast corner of the Mediterranean, you go inland just a bit to the east, and you'll find Antioch, Asia Minor. But if you go west, just right around that corner, and you move west, you'll come to Tarsus. Now, remember the church sent Paul back to Tarsus, back home. And he was cooling his heels. Now, imagine if you were Paul and you have had a private tutorial with the risen and glorified Christ. You are eager to go out there and evangelize the whole world. And the church in Jerusalem said, go to your room. (laughs) And there he is in Tarsus, cooling his heels. Well, when Barnabas went up to Antioch and he finished the work there, he thought, you know, I wonder ever happened to old Saul. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for him. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now imagine that meeting. So Barnabas goes to Tarsus, a fairly large city in Asia Minor, the capital of the province of Cilicia, and he looked him up. Well, Right down the street there to the right, it's the second house on the left. So Barnabas went to the house. And sure enough, Saul opened the door. And Saul said, Barnabas, what are you doing here? And Barnabas said, it's been a long time, buddy. Tell me all about what you've been doing. So Barnabas went into the house, they sat down, and they talked. Wouldn't you like to have been there to hear the conversation? After a few days, Barnabas said to Saul, You know, I've been in Antioch, and he told stories about all the things going on in Antioch, particularly with the Gentiles. He said, You want to come to Antioch? So Barnabas and Saul went to Antioch. And we read in Acts 11 at verse 26, So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And get this, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Antioch is such an important place in the history of the early church. That's where we were called Christians for the first time. That's where Barnabas and Saul, who becomes Paul, of course, that's where they taught. That was their home church. In fact, on the first missionary journey, they're commissioned by the church in Antioch to take the gospel out into Asia Minor. Now, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So down from Jerusalem, remember, it's north. Antioch is north, but everything's downhill from Jerusalem, 2,500 feet above sea level. Now, one of them, named Agabus, stood up and, through the Spirit, predicted there would be a severe famine over the entire Roman world. And we read parenthetically, this happened during the reign of Claudius, which indeed it did in A.D. 44. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So Saul is now actively engaged in evangelizing what will be his entire world. Now, turn over with me to Acts chapter 13. After staying a while at uh, Antioch, we read in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, of all things, and Saul. Now, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off on the first missionary journey. A.D. 46 to 48. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, delegated by the church at Antioch to go out on their behalf, they went down to Seleucia on the coast and sailed from there to Cyprus. I've noted in earlier podcasts that the way to get around in the Roman Empire was not by road, although the Romans had over 58,000 miles of roads, but the way to get around was by ship. The Roman Empire, after all, is the landmass surrounding the Mediterranean. So they got on board a ship and they sailed for Cyprus. They arrived at Salamis on the east side of Cyprus and they proclaimed the Word of God in the Jewish synagogues. That was always the first stop. They were welcome in the synagogue. Why? Saul was the adult student of the great Gamaliel. Saul was the rising star. He had credentials within a synagogue. Well, that will get him a long way at the beginning. But pretty quickly, he won't be welcome. Now, John was with them as their helper. That is, John Mark, our author of the Gospel according to Mark. Now, let me pause for a moment. I imagine Saul or Paul, being about the same age as Jesus. So right now it's A.D. 46, and I imagine Saul to be around 46 years old. Barnabas comes across to me as being a more mature person, perhaps in his mid to late 50s. But Mark is a much younger fellow, maybe in his early 20s, if that. Mark. The son of Mary, it was their home that hosted the Passover meal at which Jesus instituted the Eucharist. Mark would have been a young boy, a young, young fellow at the time. And he wouldn't have been at the table because it was only for the men. But I'll bet that he sat on the stairs and peeked in and watched. John Mark. He's the cousin of Barnabas as well. So Barnabas said, Let's take let's take John along. John Mark. Sounds good to me, said Saul. So they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. So they travel westward across the island. And along the way, they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar Jesus. Jesus, of course, was a very common name among Jews in the Roman Empire. It's in Hebrew, Yeshua or Joshua. Now, this follow, bar Jesus, the son of Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. So he had a, a pretty important position there on the island. And the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Eliamus the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, we learn for the first time. That requires a note. Saul is a good Jewish name. Saul was the first king of Israel who reigned from 1050 to 1010. When he died, he was killed at the Battle of Mount Gilboa. That opened the door for David to become king, and then after David, Solomon, and so on. So Saul was a very popular name among Jews of this time. Paul is simply the Gentile form of Saul. Already at this point, Paul has decided that he would be the apostle to the Gentiles. So he takes on the Gentile version of the name Saul, that is, Paul. And we'll call him that from now on. Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elias and he said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you are going to be blind, and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. And immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped around, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what happened, he believed. And he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So Barnabas, Paul, and Mark are on the island of Cyprus. We've been to the island of Cyprus many a time and followed their trail from the east to the west. Now from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia. So from the West coast of Cyprus, they sail north west to the mainland of Asia Minor, to Antalya. uh, They sail uh, from Perga to Perga in Pamphylia. Perga, you would land at the port of Antalya and then travel by land to Perga. Antalya, by the way, is a beautiful, beautiful harbor. It's the the most beautiful harbor in Asia Minor, and it's right up there with the French Riviera. It's a destination of choice for European yachtsmen. So that's where the guys land, and they make their way then up to Perga. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. They continued north. They went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. And after the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. So we have a synagogue service on the Sabbath in Pisidian Antioch, in the interior of Asia Minor, in the territory of Galatia. We have important visitors. They're from Jerusalem. So they were asked to speak. You have two readings in the synagogue service, one from the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and one from the prophets, typically about two-thirds of the time, from Isaiah, an accompanying reading. And then you have a homily or sermon preached on the readings. So Paul motioned with his hand, and he stood up, And he said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God. Because there were those, like Cornelius, who were drawn to the God of Israel. They hadn't become Jews, but they they were drawn to this God. Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers... He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All of this took about 450 years. So Paul begins by going back to the beginning and summarizing the history of the Jewish people up to this point. Now after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet, says Paul. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin who ruled forty years, as I noted, 1050 to 1010. After removing Saul, he made David their king, David will reign from 1010 to 970. And he testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Now, did you get that? We go all the way back to the beginning, summarize Jewish history up through the Exodus into the land of Canaan. then, through the kingship of Saul and David. And now Paul is going to make his statement, his thesis. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John the Baptist preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I'm not the one. No, he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Now, brothers, children of Abraham, the Jewish listeners in the synagogue, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, Yet, in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now his witnesses to our people. We are here to tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. And Paul locks it right into Psalm 2. As it's written in the second Psalm, quotes Paul, You are my son, today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. And so it is stated elsewhere you will not let your Holy One see decay. For David had served God's purpose in his own generation, and he died. He was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. I bet at that point, people were looking at Paul and going, what in the world is he saying? This is is absolute heresy. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. And he points at them. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. Now as Paul, he concludes... And as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. You know, they're leaving the synagogue. Everyone's gathered around them. They're talking. Oh, it was controversial for sure. But some said, we'd like to hear more on this next week. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas and talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So the synagogue congregation is split. Some, oh, they were angry with Paul and Barnabas. Others were urging them to come back and tell more. So imagine the week passing and all the debate and argument going on within Pisidian Antioch. On the next Sabbath, Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Everybody came to the synagogue. And when the Jews saw the crowds, we read they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Not filled with jealousy in the sense of, well, they're listening to him and not us. But this is a a threat. What these people are saying is, is not right. And it's attracting all these people. And then Paul and Barnabas answered boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it. that portion of the synagogue who utterly rejected this message, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. And he points to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the very ends of the earth. He's quoting Isaiah 49, verse 6. When the Gentiles heard this, they were were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they kicked them out of town. So what did Paul and Barnabas do? They shook the dust in their feet in protest against them and went on eastward to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So we find here, Paul has settled in with Barnabas at Antioch. Antioch commissions Paul and Barnabas, and they take young Mark with them, to go out on a missionary journey. And notice the point of it is to evangelize, yes, the Jews, but primarily the Gentiles. Antioch was a church driving the Gentile evangelization. Well, off they travel to Iconium, and that's where we'll pick up on Wednesday. Thank you, folks. Good being with you, and I'll see you soon. Blessings on you. Bye-bye.